Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So there's Ryan Poles pulling off the best deal of his short tenure with the Chicago Bears, a deal that landed a first-round pick in 2024. And, of course, the the headliner, DJ Moore. So he's excited, and he texts his quarterback, Justin Fields. And you text Justin Fields, and you're like, hey, we just got DJ Moore. You expect that? tweet to be returned you expect to see the little dots show up immediately instead what ryan poles got according to him at the nfl coach owners meeting a lot of silence for quite some time a couple of hours worth and he's just sitting there like where's justin are you sleeping and apparently justin fields was sleeping sleeping through sleeping through the trade of the central you know the trade of the year Kind of like when I took my daughter to go see Hamilton and she fell asleep during the second part of it. It just happens. Sometimes you have to sleep through some of the greatest things. Hopefully you will not be sleeping through this show. We've got a great one lined up for you. So Sammy, why don't we go ahead and get started? Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank Big Show uh, here for you this evening. Of course, eventually, uh, in just a matter of moments, we'll be joined by our co-host, Carmen Vitale of FoxSports.com. But did want to go ahead and just dive into everything that has been happening with the Chicago Bears over the last couple of days. Now, obviously, there haven't been a lot of moves uh, been going on. But what we did get was a little bit of insight as to what has been happening with the Chicago Bears over the last couple of weeks. Kind of getting a little bit of uh, getting some thoughts from Ryan Poles and, of course, head coach Matt Eberflus as the NFL owners meeting, uh, you know, commenced commenced i don't know if that's the right word but they met in arizona this week and we got a lot of insight into what happened before uh, and after the dj Moore trade and what the bears are going to be doing in the future so why don't we break that down right now uh with our co-host carmen vitale of foxsports.com who joins us right now carmen how are I, you I, listen i'm i'm talking about this this story this anecdote that they were talking about ryan poles was talking about texting Texting Justin Fields after the DJ Moore trade. But first of all, um, 
I know a lot of people go back. Most people are on texting terms. Nobody calls. I feel like that's worth a call. I feel like that's a, hey, get on the phone and call Justin Fields. That's I don't know if that's text. I think, you, I think that warrants a phone call. Do you agree? I don't know. Just because I don't think, at least I live my life on Do Not Disturb. So right. you're probably not going to get through to me on a phone call. I check my text messages regularly way more often than I check my missed calls, which is a character flaw of mine. Don't get me wrong, but maybe Justin is kind of the same way. And I mean, doesn't he technically belong to Gen Z? Do they pick up the phone ever? Any like, I don't know. Probably a text not. message gets it, gets it across. Right. Hey dude, we I got will, DJ Moore. Yeah. I, I will tell you this. Uh, one of my friends, uh, two of my friends, like when we used to, um, we used to go uh, to the when I would have when I would go to the Super Bowl. I would usually get to bring a couple of guests, and one of my best friends I only called once a year and was to tell him that he was going to go to the Super Bowl with me. <laughs> I feel like those are special occasions where you could do this. But what is? Let me ask you this though: What is um, what is the best sport? Because like waking up to that sport news, do you have an instance in your mind of like the best sports news you've ever woken up to? If I recall correctly, Adam Schefter broke that Tom Brady was coming to the Buccaneers very early in the morning. Right. And I had had suspicions prior to that. Um, but to hear it officially being reported by Schefter, and I was on Eastern time too. So I'm yeah. as far east as you're going to get in the country. And I still think, it, if memory serves, it happened at like 6 a.m. He came out with it. So by the time I woke up, Oh, that just reminded me actually too. I was taking a nap when Tom Brady retired the first time. No. I just remembered that. I was at the senior bowl. I was at the senior bowl. Those are very long days. There are very long nights. And I was taking a nap. And I was like, and then I woke. Oh no, I think I I don't know if it was a nap. I think it was, it was, and I woke up to that too. That was bad sports news, though. I was so at that point. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a bad one. That I was Somebody's actually interrupting my sleep all the time. <laughs> all the time. I was just gonna say I was on the air when he returned to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm-hmm. last year. That was being broken by Ian Rappaport on the NFL network. And so we were on the air, we reacted to that, which was fine because the rundown that day really sucked. So it actually saved us. I know a lot of people complain, like, oh, blow up the rundown. You're like, that I saw the rundown, it was terrible. I'm glad that we were able to go on and talk about Tom Brady. I will. You know, it's funny being on the West coast is I legitimately, maybe that the Tom Brady one that you bring up now, I think I woke up to that. Typically I'm either up late enough to where I hear about things. Cause there's been a, there's been a couple of things that have happened over the last couple of weeks where you're like, Oh, the East coast is going to freak out when they wake up to this in the morning where I've been a part of. But I also remember Mike Trout was announced. His extension with the Los Angeles Angels was also announced very early on the West Coast. That mm. was, uh, but I was up. I was in the NFL dot, uh, in the NFL.com newsroom uh, when that happened. Also, I was on doing this show, a different version of the Adam Rank podcast, when Shohei Otani signed with the Angels. So I, that actually happened mid-show, and it went from a it was a fantasy podcast back then. And it went into a Shohei Otani podcast uh, <laughs> as the years. Yeah, the West Coast really gets shafted when it comes to, I mean, so many things timing wise, because the country, I feel like, go, runs on Eastern time, even Central time. I am a firm believer Central time is the best. But 
being on the West Coast, you're just behind everything. Unless, like you said, you stay up late enough to like, you know, three o'clock in the morning where it's 6 a.m. East Coast time. And that's when stuff is starting to happen. But yeah, I mean, when I, yeah, whenever I'm out in L.A., I always feel like I'm so far behind and I just wake up right. so much. I'm like scrolling all of my alerts on Twitter. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you, and you think so about the baseball, the baseball writers who traditionally are up so late wake up around 11 a.m. West Coast time, and it's like 2 p.m. Like, the, the workday is almost over on the East Coast. But, you know, things like Kobe's 81, things like that, like, oh, I, we get to see it live. Yeah, Our, the, Nas- the, Na- the national championship games kick off at 5 o'clock. Like, it's not like, you know, you miss that a is- lot of stuff going to bed early. Right. No, that's I I love that, too, then. And then you wake up and like football's already on in the weekends, you know, 9 a.m. for college, 10 a.m. for NFL. It's fantastic. I love that. Not that I'm waking up necessarily at those times. I remember actually when I worked for the Dodgers way back when and we would be playing a team on the East Coast, our coaches needed clip packets. And if you know what those are, I was a PR intern and I had to gather all of the news from that morning and so the coaches could review it before like right first thing and our coach at the time really wanted to have that right first thing so I remember having to get up or rather stay up uh at like 3 30 4 o'clock in the morning and just do these put together this clip pack <laughs> whenever oh, yeah. the Dodgers were on the east coast oh my god and the amount of times I did that after coming home from a bar <laughs> I don't know if I'm proud or ashamed. Oh, jeez. Who is the manager? Bill Russell? No, it was Don Mattingly. Mattingly. That's right. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think. I was like, who is the guy? Like, who bridged the gap between Russell and Dave Roberts? And there it is. But uh, going back to the Chicago Bears, the NFL owners, <laughs> uh, they had their meetings in Arizona. People are like, what are you talking about, Ray? Like, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I was at war with Bears Twitter this weekend because it was Lakers, Bulls. And then you have to mm-hmm. revisit the story like, why do you not? I'm like, oh, I'm, we're not going. I'm going to have a, I, I swear to you, I'm going to pin it to the top, explain my life to you. And there's somebody, <laughs> by the way, there's somebody on Twitter spreading misinformation, being like that I never lived in Chicago, which I guess if you're doing the suburban thing, the the suburbs, like, yeah, yeah, okay, Park Ridge, Hoffman Estate, Schaumburg, not Chicago. I get that. <laughs> um, but as far, like, my parents would be very shocked to know that I never lived in the greater Chicago land area. They'd be, they'd be really weird about it. And if that's the criteria going by, I've, I've never lived in Anaheim. So I could never, I could never claim the angels. I've never lived in Los Angeles. I could not claim the, claim. the Lakers. Claim any the of these no, uh, th- nobody. So the fact that, you know, is that it's the greater Chicago land area that yeah. I feel like that's, that's the test is like, all right, did you grow up in this area whatsoever? If you know, yeah. it's called Chicago land. That's yeah. it. That's that's as simple as that. You grew up in Chicagoland. Everybody's a Bear fan. Spent my summers the- there. Yeah. Like, all that stuff. You're fine. It, I don't need to go into that, but I do want to talk about the NFL owners meetings in Arizona. Uh, not a lot of big news happened, mm-hmm. but the, I, I actually, I take that back. There was some big news. Do we have the photo? Sam, do we have the photo of Matt Eberflus? Do we have the one that I'm thinking of? What is happening? What is with the flow? Listen, I was just as shocked as everybody else. Matt, whenever he's around us, he like every press conference I've been to, he's wearing a hat. And I'm like, bro, if I had that hair, I would never wear a hat in my life. The lettuce. The lettuce. It's just flowing. And he's just like, he's sitting there. Like his wife was out there with him. And now this is all starting to make sense. I was like, okay, all right. He looks 
on point because his wife is with him. And yeah, no, it was, I was, I was shocked. I was like going through the coaches too, looking for, I mean, I cover the NFC North. So I'm, I'm trying to pinpoint all of the NFC North coaches and yeah. I missed him. I was like, I, I glazed right over him at first. And then I, I like doubled back and I was like, Oh my God, that's Matt Eberflus. Yeah. He's, he's the, uh, he's the, uh, the 50 year old guy who hangs out with young guys like KOC, uh, LaFleur, and uh, Campbell. How old is Dan Campbell? Oh, I don't that's know true. how old Dan Campbell is. He's got to he, be the same age. But like, he's he got to be the same age. Yeah. But he fits in. It's not, like, it's not like he's like Ron Rivera or Mike McCarthy, where you're like, ah, you don't fit in. Like, Eberflus is the guy who's like, are you not? Like, when Eberflus, how old is he? Like, 52 or something like that? Where he would be like, you're 52? Like, that would be, or whatever it is. Like, oh, he seems a lot younger. He's got a little bit of a flow. I will say this, though. I don't trust coaches that don't wear hats. I know that Belichick doesn't. Ditka no, didn't. Fair. It bothers me. Put that's on fair. a ball cap. This is what, Although, you know what's funny is uh, as I was out there coaching my, uh, my, my daughter's soccer team, the uh, Huntington Beach Coyotes, uh, I was not wearing a hat at all. I went out there bald. I almost did the – I almost did the uh, – I almost did the uh, – the naggy went visor with visor bald visor, visor yeah. guy, but I uh, couldn't quite, I don't know. I'm not going to pull that off, but, okay. um, but on real no. news, no, that, was, was, that was the galvanizing news. That came <laughs> that's the biggest news. That's all we have to talk about. Everything that happened with the NFL's owner, uh, with the NFL owners meetings, yeah, uh, by the way, but I will say this. Um, I will say this. I got to stop saying that GM Ryan Pohl said, and we got a lot of sound bites, which was amazing. And he said, on paper right now, we're better than we were before, but we understand that we've got a long way to go. How much better are the Bears right now than even a year ago at this point? So much better. I mean, listen, they now have legitimate targets for Justin Fields. They have some organization even on defense. They bolstered that linebacking core. And they have a plan and we're actually getting to see it. Mm. I mean, I think last year, you know, Ryan Poles comes in bright eyed, bushy tailed. We have no idea how he's going to fare essentially with limited draft capital as a first year GM. And he flips all that around. And you're like, okay, can I get on board with this? I don't know. But now you can see he's proved it already with moves like Roquan Smith, the Roquan Smith move. He's two yeah. steps ahead. And now you can trust him. And this, I mean, this roster is, it just seems like he knows what he's doing. He knows what the plan is. And now he has all these, all these resources left and still prioritizes resources for next year. So that further reinforces that there's a plan. And I just, I really appreciate that. And I think that he's earned the trust of Bears fans so far now armed with all these resources that he apparently knows what to do with. Yeah, that's one of my least favorite things on Twitter. When people ask, what has he done to earn your trust? I'm like, I, I don't have time for this. I'm not going to sit here and do, I'm not going to do the research for you. You can see what he's done. It's it's a remarkably different team, a different tenor, and one that's starting to shape up in the vision of what Ryan Poles has in mind. The thing, of course, that scares me, because I'm always the cockeyed optimist, when he says, a long way to go, Realistic. I know that we differ on this. How far away are we? Two years. 
And that's what I've been saying pretty much all along. I think that my timeline hasn't changed. I don't think that timeline has changed when it comes to Ryan Poles. I talked about how already how much he put an emphasis on getting draft capital for next year as well. He Mm -hmm. is treating this like a multi-year process. It's always a multi-year process as far as I'm concerned. But you're not going to be able to plug all of the holes with the guys that you want in one offseason. That and he's he's said that verbatim. This it's not all going to happen in one off season, so you need another off season now with the resources and and to keep kind of going along this plan that he has set in motion for a couple of years. So I think next year again we're looking at a 500 season, winning season, maybe even flirting with the wild card. But I don't know because I think this division is going to be really tough. But come 2024. I fully expect these guys to be in the postseason fully. When you talk about the multi-year process, this just has me thinking, you know, obviously when they traded up for Justin Fields, the giants moved down from what? 11 to 20. They picked up an additional first round pick, which is the reason why the bears didn't have a first round pick last year. Could you see that? I know that the, the quarterback from Tennessee is now starting to get a lot of buzz too. Could you see the Bears doing something similar right there at number nine, perhaps saying, unless Jalen Carter's there, which we talked about last week. But if you're sitting there and you look at it and you're like, now let's just pick up. If somebody came up and we're like, yeah, we actually need this pick. We'll give you a first round next season. Do you believe that Ryan Poles would hesitate to make that move? No. And that's the thing is I think that there are still situations just because they traded out of number one spot. And I think we can get to this whenever, but just because they traded out of the number one spot doesn't preclude them from making another trade if the opportunity presents itself. You still have a top 10 pick. That is extremely valuable. We're mm-hmm. getting caught up because the Bears were already spoiled, I guess, with the number one positioning. But just because you don't have the number one pick, I mean, trades happen all up and down the first round. They happen all up and down the second round, third round, fourth round, all throughout the draft. That is very significant, very valuable capital that the Bears still have. And yeah, if someone wants to come up and get Hendon Hooker, sure. Let's move down a few more spots. And again, unless someone on their board has fallen that they really like, I think that he really is going to take the best available player, the best value. And that value, I think, also includes if there's another trade scenario, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw a lot of that. That was something that Polls also mentioned was the value value to the player and trying to get the most of the, of the money, not just wildly spending money when you have an opportunity. He did also mention that the bears received a lot of good offers for the number one overall pick, but the Panthers were motivated. Now being realistic, do you think the bears made the best possible move at the best possible time? Yes, I do. Because there were clearly more than one offer. There was more than one offer. That's what it says knew that the Panthers knew that if the Panthers know that, then they are going to be as motivated as ever to be the ones to beat out whatever other offers those are to get to that top spot and have the luxury of choice. That's Mm -hmm. what the Panthers want. They want the luxury to choose which quarterback. And that was so important to them that they were, they gave up a haul. That's the thing too. You look at what the bears got in this haul. DJ Moore counts as a first round pick to me, a first round pick that you has already shown what he can do, which is the best of both worlds, right? Then you also still have multiple firsts and multiple seconds over the next couple of years. 
And again, like we just talked about, this doesn't preclude them from trading down even further because, oh, by the way, they still have a top 10 pick. So I just think that this was perfect timing so that you knew exactly what capital you had going into free agency and you can start to figure out the, how the puzzle pieces all fit. Not to mention, you still have a ton of capital and valuable picks going into the draft. You have four in the top 62 picks or 65 picks, something like that. Yeah. And like you had, there's so much flexibility with that. So I just feel that that was the right move for right then. And it doesn't preclude you from making more. I would agree. I know that a lot of people will say perhaps they should have waited around. Maybe, maybe hung out, hung into the game a little bit more to see if one of these teams really became desperate. But I think that when you get an opportunity to acquire a player like DJ Moore. And get the multiple, but get the picks that you want. I mean, we don't know. We don't know how good these teams are going to be next season. Of all the teams that you could possibly trade with, I think Indianapolis would have been the most advantageous because, you know, they might end up being the worst of all the teams that were rumored to be in there. But I, again, I think you just got to take your deal. When you get the, when you get the 2024, when you get DJ Moore, you're done. You don't need to do it. One thing I did like, and I don't know how you feel about this. He said he didn't try to leverage the Panthers, where he he wasn't playing this game where he's got multiple phones. He's like, well, the Panthers will do this, and then what do you do? I kind of like that approach. I don't know if it's like an honest man's game or however you would describe it, but I kind of like the idea of like, you know what? We are working with a partner. You know, if something better came up, and Paul's even said this, if something better had come up, we would have told the Panthers like, hey, look, Houston's giving us 2-12, and 12, which has not happened. That did not happen <laughs> as, a, as a for instance. I kind of like the approach that he took. I don't know if I, am I reading too much into that? No, this relationship is built on relationships. And if you don't think that it matters that polls is easy to work with and easy to deal with, then I got news for you (laughs) because who are you more likely to do a deal with a guy that, you know, is going to get what he wants at all costs and try to short you or a guy who you view in, very high moral upstanding character that is fair and you know makes these negotiations easy these negotiations are always so complicated and they are tireless and they go on for on like for a long time i mean this wasn't Holes didn't just wake up one day was like oh we're gonna trade the pick with the panthers like this was weeks if not months in the making and if he's if, if he has that reputation that's only gonna serve him well it's only gonna serve the bears well if they want to continue to make these moves. And if, again, relationships, reputation, it's everything in this business. And Paul seems to have a really good one. So I like it. Yeah, that's my conjecture. And again, I don't know what the, I mean, Paul's just mentioned that he had multiple offers. We don't know what they were. I feel like the sticking point, and and to listen to Frank Reich talk about losing DJ Moore, and they understand the kind of player that they had given up. But to me, the negotiation probably came down to DJ Moore, the 2025 first round pick. My conjecture is that some team was willing to do that, to give up three first rounders. And that was polls being like, you know, not, not, not being disrespectful, but just saying, look, somebody's going to give us three first rounders. Why would I not take somebody's else? If we don't have to fall as far, you know, let's say if it was the Colts, for instance, you know, <laughs> That's it. But you go from one to four as it's instead of one to nine and you get a little bit of a, you know, you can ask for a little bit more. So I think ultimately with the big drop that they had to take, 
they made the best possible deal. And again, if uh, if you didn't listen to the show last week with Matt Harmon, go back and do yourself a favor. Go listen to that, talking about the impact that DJ Moore is going to have on this team. The best possible deal that they could make. Unfortunately, though, as a DJ Moore comes into the fold, we did lose David Montgomery. And polls uh, expounded on this a little bit, saying that they were really, really close to re-signing David Montgomery. But also, uh, he did say... He did say, like, hey, both sides had a choice here, kind of throwing it on to David Montgomery. Uh, did what 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 did you make of that? Did David Montgomery just want to leave? What's going on? I mean, it's quite possible. And maybe he just saw a dwindling role for himself in this system and thought that, you know, he would be better served being in part of another system that where he can take on a better role. I and maybe the Lions offered him that. I mean, they did offer him quite a bit of money. Yeah. And it is they they had a need for a more versatile running back. That's essentially what the difference is between Dave Montgomery and Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams was incredibly productive on the ground for the, for the lions last year, 17 rushing touchdowns, but they need a guy that can also be part of that short game, the short passing game, all that other stuff. And that's not something that Jamal Williams could do or was asked to do very often. And so this is something that he is bringing a whole nother dynamic to the Lions offense now. And I think it probably just came down to scheme fit. And maybe there was some, you know, there's some changes that are still taking place in this Bears offense where David saw that maybe his role was kind of being, you know, I I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was, but it comes down to scheme fit. And if, and, you know, coaches are very aware of that, but players are even more acutely aware of that. And, I mean, David's been in this league long enough and he knows exactly where he will be utilized best. So we wish him well and good yeah. luck in Detroit. We're, I will still get to cover him. So it's not really just get off my nose. I'm we're, excited. We're, we're rooting for him 15 games out of the year. And I apologize real quick. Uh, I had my rundown up. I did not have the screen up. So I don't know how long up. I don't know how long CTOD ghost uh, has been up here. I apologize. Uh, I was I was getting a frantic text from Sammy, like switch screens. I need it. I need a, I need a better setup here. But here uh, I do want to read this uh, tweet that he sent. And hey, Adam. Hey, Carmi. Uh, big CHGO Bears guy here. By the way, uh, Carmen. In addition to her work with Fox Sports, also works for CHGO. It looks like I might be on there tomorrow, Wednesday. Ooh, yeah. So look out. And if you not come tomorrow, on at some point. Look, that's if not, if, 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 not, if not tomorrow, at some point uh, next week. But uh, by the way, both of you should come on at some point. We will. I know the Bears fans want a right tackle in the first, but I think outside of prioritized fields, the defensive line should be bolstered. What do you think? I, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for Carmen, but I think that we've been – pretty vocal in best player available, but you know that Carmi's a, she's a trench girl. This is, this is your wheelhouse. It doesn't matter which side of the ball, but the, the, the trenches have to be addressed and they will be through the draft. Yeah. And I think this goes back to what I've said before about the fact that Ryan Poles has the utmost confidence in his evaluation process of offensive linemen, given the fact that he was an offensive lineman and has been a part of a very successful program up until this point in the NFL with the Kansas city chiefs that has been able to identify really good talent, not to mention just last year, he got Braxton Jones. And for all intents and purposes, I know that he took his lumps, but Braxton Jones playing every snap of the season at left tackle 
is an objective win for Ryan Poles in, and his evaluation process. So I talked about, actually, I have a piece coming out for Fox Sports, shameless plug, about how I don't necessarily know. My gut is kind of telling me that Ryan Poles isn't going to use a fir- the first round pick on the offensive line because of the fact he knows he can hit later on in the draft. That being said, I think the uh, the next thing that needs to be I've been saying, that's what I've been saying. Is the defensive line. And that's why Jalen Carter just fits so well. But now with all the off the field stuff, you have to worry about that. And if there's more and, and what does that say about his character and his ability to be a teammate and his ability to be a pro, I think is the big thing there also, because it's, you're, you're on your own, man. You, you're not, you're out of your controlled environment of a college. You have to do all of this stuff on your own. You're tasked with, you know, making tons of money and having to work your way through that dynamic as a very young person. I mean, he's yeah. like 21, 22. And is he equipped to do that is the question for the Bears. But I mean, on the talent level, he is perfect for this Bears team. And that is why this is such a hard decision, I think, for the Chicago Bears. But I absolutely agree that defensive line is something that they still and they, you know, they got to Marcus Walker and they've they're they add a little bit, but that interior rotation is so important. And to have a guy that can penetrate from the interior like Jalen Carter can because he's a defensive tackle that can pass rush uh, is very important. So I would love to see a guy like Kalija Kansi, but I think nine, number nine is maybe it's too rich for him, something yeah. like that. Uh, I would love to see him become a Bear, but you definitely still need that three tech because the Bears do not have that right now. And they took care of the weak side linebacker and then some. So yeah. that is... For me, that's my biggest need with like these premium draft picks is a guy that can come in right away and be the leader that you need on on that front. And I want to say thank you once again for the for the generous donation, getting that question asked. Sorry that it took me so long to get to it, but still want to to follow a lot to follow up though uh, along those lines because I do have it here. Now, polls said this about his draft prep and his draft evaluation. The further you get away from tape, the workouts and shorts, all that can sway you a little bit too far. I took this to mean that Jalen Carter is a bear. I, <laughs> I, I really like legitimately did because, you know, people are going to look at the workout and he came in overweight. By the way, Bryce Young wouldn't even step on the scale at his pro day at Alabama, which leads me to believe probably for the opposite reason. <laughs> Oh, he, he doesn't he doesn't weigh enough he's growing out his afro but the, with, with both players they you you saw enough of them in high leverage situations to know whether they are good football players or not and i think that what and perhaps i'm reading too much into this ryan poles to me was telling me not but this was to the general reporters <laughs> is that I I'm I'm gonna favor tape more than anything else. And they're they're using, you know, and they're using an exhaustive approach of getting to know guys and taking them out to dinner. 30, 30 prospects will be coming to Hallis Hall. They're doing their due diligence. And you have to really ask yourself about Jalen Carter about the severity of what now, not to make light of drag racing or anything like that, but listen, college kids, especially college kids who have cars, listen, I did dumb things. Like we used to do, like we used, when I was growing up, you know, we lived in a part of Southern California that was expanding greatly construction all the time. When you got to the city limits, the outer limits of the city, 
every dirt road or every street was covered with dirt from all the work trucks. So we would take our cars and do spins and do all sorts of dumb things. I'm not using that as an excuse, but there is an opportunity to grow from that. And I think that without knowing Jalen Carter, the Bears are going to do their due diligence to find out whether he's truly a troubled soul or if this was just a mistake or something like that. So I think there's a huge opportunity. What did you make from that? Or am I, again, am I just reading too much into it? I don't know that that meant, yeah, that Jalen Carter's a bear, mostly also because I don't know that Jalen Carter is going to make it down to nine, if I'm being quite honest, because I've said this before, the NFL has the uncanny, uncanny ability to have a little bit of a short memory when it comes to things that get resolved. And I mean, if there's, there's no jail time, we you know, we saw the sentencing for Jalen Carter after the two misdemeanors, that's all it was. And if that mm-hmm. is the extent of the legality issues uh, yeah. coming out of it, then I mean, again, we're still a month away from the draft at this point. And again, that time pro- like proves to be a buffer. And mm-hmm. I don't know, especially when you do turn on the film, because I've watched Jalen Carter. I watched him last season like live in real time, and then I've gone back and watched him. The way that he can use his hands, flip his hips, knows his leverage points on top of being – a guy that is so massive and strong that he can just straight bull rush you if he wants to that blend. I mean, it's unprecedented, the kind of talent and the technique that he has and just the overall build and the things, the intangibles that you can't teach because it's just genetics at this point. Right. I mean, he is that dude. And I've heard that from multiple coaches. I've asked multiple coaches, multiple scouts about him. Like, tell me, is this guy, the real deal. Is he worth it? Is he, and every single one of them says that he is. And again, it's because of this crazy blend of talent and brute strength and genetics that he has that just doesn't, you don't see a package like that. You don't see a package like him anywhere. He doesn't like, I could like, I've asked coaches for comps that are already in the league and they're like, and there is none there. I can't think of one because yeah. he's that special. So when a guy is that special, Things are forgiven. And again, like you said, the Bears are going to do their due, due diligence and make sure that that was an isolated incident and there is nothing else. Uh, you know, there's no character flaws and, and all that other stuff. But as they're doing their due diligence, so is everybody else. And so is everybody else. If it turns out that that was an isolated incident and it doesn't really speak to his character, because yeah, I don't know him either, then he's not going to last till nine. Just point blank period. Which is yeah. why I'm like, Kalija can't see. Kalija can't see. I, like, that sounds good. Maybe they trade down again and they get <laughs> Yeah, I mean. Or, the or, first round. Like, I'm trying to temper my expectations here for the Chicago Bears because I just, I don't even know if they're going to have a shot at Jalen. Well, we talked about it last week where Seattle and Detroit make way too much sense, especially yeah. with teams that have, they have these lottery picks of, of, of selections that weren't even theirs. The two teams that they traded with just happened to be brutal this past season and they went out there now they have this luxury pick and why not use that for a player like Jalen Carter, because it makes a lot of sense, but we're also ignoring the fact that Arizona is probably not drafting a quarterback either. And if they don't trade back and if there's no big rush to get up to number three, they could easily just be like, yeah, we'll take them. Like we need help on the defense. I don't know. I, I don't know the Cardinals well enough to know if that fits schematically or anything like that, but it feels like, you know, you don't pass on a player like that. You figure out a way 
to uh, to make them valuable into your situation. But it's always fun to talk about. I will say this. God damn it. I said I wasn't going to say that anymore. But <laughs> here's my thing. Ryan Poles started talking about getting in kids who are local talents. And I meant to bring this up with you earlier. Oh, yeah. Local talents. He's like, oh, I kind of like that. And there's a guy. We have Van Ness from Iowa. We got your boy Skaronsky at Northwestern. I'm surprised that you didn't read that and be like, Skaronsky's a bear. <laughs> um, maybe because I don't necessarily read into things as much as do maybe to my I detriment. Do. Maybe I to do. my detriment. I fully admit that might be a character flaw of mine as well. <laughs> it is no, one of the it was interesting to hear him talk about that and that it was kind of purposeful. It was very intentional. He said that he thinks it means more and that it's not coincidence that four or five of these guys are now from the Chicagoland area. Yeah. And because again, especially and Bears fans aren't gonna like this. Especially for a franchise that hasn't enjoyed recent success. How dare you? I'm sorry. This is a fact. <laughs> um, you kind of, like, for someone that's outside the Chicago area, they have absolutely no idea what this team means to the city because and, and the surrounding area because how would they? You, a lot of people from the out, on, like an outside perspective measure what a team means to the city based on their success. That's not the case here in Chicago because I fully believe, and this is probably my bias growing up here, but they are the, whatever the opposite of a fair weather fan is. I mean, they're all diehards. Like everybody's a diehard because in my lifetime, the Bears have not won a championship. No. So, but I still rode, rode for them like you wouldn't believe growing up. And that's, and it takes someone that grew up here to fully understand that. And mm. so to carry on a tradition and to believe that you can be great and believe that the city, you know, you can put the city on your back. Essentially you had to have been here and that's what these guys have. And I thought that that was really cool that Ryan Poles was so candid about that saying, yeah, no, I do think it means more to these guys. And I want to have as many Chicago area guys on my roster because they can then that turns into leadership that turns into motivation that turns into just basic knowledge of what this team means to the city because it's so much. It means so much to the city. You have more knowledge of, uh, of, of that area of Chicago because I was out of there by the time I was in first grade. I was, I was alive for the Bears' lone Super Bowl victory, but too young to care. I, my dad was happy. That was fun. Uh, I, I enjoyed that for him. I, you know what? But here's my thing. And I, I, this is from listening to my dad is he's would often say like, you know, Jordan's bulls amazing in the nineties, mm -hmm. the Cubs, white Sox both won world series within the last mm -hmm. 20 years. The Blackhawks won three Stanley cups in five years. I, I believe it's six, yeah. six years. Six. Nothing would compare though to the bears winning a super bowl. Is that, is that an accurate statement? That's the sentiment that I heard. Cause like I said, I wasn't around the last time. And the thing is though, I mean, I have been a part of, I have been on the sidelines of Michigan Avenue when the Blackhawks won the cup in 2010, I was, was hanging out my friend's window on Addison street when the Cubs won the world series in 2016. Like I've seen this, I've seen the city go absolutely bananas for these teams. Mm -hmm. And everybody that I know that was around for the 85 bears is like this is that is nothing compared to what the city will do if and when the Chicago Bears finally win another Super Bowl. They will go 
nuts. This city will just, it will shut down for multiple days. I mean, I remember there was 2 million people on Michigan Avenue for the Blackhawks winning the Stanley Cup in 2010. That's how serious the city takes sports when it's the NHL. I grew up a huge hockey fan. Every guy I grew up with played hockey and football was still king for me, but hockey was right there. But this, that's, that's not a normal thing for the rest of the country. Like no one else cares about the NHL, but we do. And if we're going to get that excited over a hockey team, I just can't even imagine what it would be like for the bears to win. Yeah. It just, it would, it'll be an amazing feat. And hopefully Ryan Poles is the one that can make it happen. Yeah, I can't wait to find out what those parades are going to be like. Of course, I've already got my tickets ready. I will be there for that, no doubt about it. You know, living out here in Southern California, it was interesting because the Lakers traditionally just had a, it, it seemed like they had a parade every year. And those were huge. Those were well attended. The The Kings parades, both of them, were both better than the Rams parade. The Rams yeah. parade was kind of sad. and But the Kings, I, you talk about the NHL not doing well. The Kings obviously didn't, not even close to the Lakers, but did pretty nice. Like had a pretty nice little, had a pretty nice little parade, you know, for the NHL. The Rams, not so much. The Rams are like, try to find the 13 people here and put them into one spot and see, <laughs> uh, see how that goes. But it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. But again, I can't really speak to that because I did not grow up my full life in Chicago. So I really can't attest, but I'm going by based on people who have known who, who saw Bobby Douglas play football. So they would know better than me (laughs) in any event. uh, I know we've had one question. Let's go to another question. I'm sorry. I feel like I've been ignoring him and he's following the CTOD. Listen, listen, I appreciate the heck out of you guys taking time to answer my question. Just miss Carmi getting into the studio. Like she did in season. Cheers. Thank you for that sentiment. Yeah, she, you know what? Like it's, it's, but you also need a break. You also, you you don't need to be at everybody's beck and call all the time. Uh, Yeah. For, I guess people probably don't know what my life is like in the off season, but I I go out to LA a lot more. Uh, I'm kind of, I live kind of not by coastally because Chicago isn't necessarily a coast, but it's a third coast. Uh, but I am, I am in and out of Chicago quite a bit in the off season. So that has precluded me from being able to go into the studio regularly at CHGO. Uh, but I love those guys over there. I have been on with them at every major off season event that they've been at. So I was on with them at the combine. I was on with them at the Super Bowl. Uh, and yeah, they know that they, they have my number. So anytime that I can come in, I will continue to do that sparingly in the off season, but. I appreciate it. That was so sweet. That was really nice. I hope they also realize that when I when they signed me up to come in, uh, that I got to come in on Zoom like this. That I can't. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in Southern California. I just can't hop a plane. We were we were going to do something last year, where I was going to go into the CHGO headquarters, and I forget what. Oh, you know what? Uh, the NFL sent me to Good Morning Football. So the week that I did Good Morning Football in New York last year was the week that I was supposed to be at CHGO. But interestingly enough, I'm also going to be talking about being on Good Morning Football in New York again this coming summer at that point, too. I'm going to try to work it out to see if I can, on my way, either there or back, make a stop out in Chicago and say hello to everybody. Maybe do a couple of shows. We'll see how it goes. A couple of games, a couple of baseball games. 
That's always the thing too, is I always want to crack open the schedule. I always, I always go armed. I always favor the Mets because I would rather go to a Mets game than a Yankees game. So that's Mm -hmm. always, and I have easier hookups with the Mets, although they, they'll probably be better this year. We'll see. But how about another question though, Sammy? Uh, What are your thoughts on the synergy between poles and flues? They've been joined at the hip in every picture since before the combine. Yeah, they look like a a fun little couple. Like they just, (laughs) they're photobomb. It's like seeing Clooney and and Brad Pitt just hanging out all the time. Like I like, I like seeing that. I, you know what? I will, let me ask you this, Carmen, because whenever they start talking about the quarterbacks in San Francisco, it feels like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have very different answers. They don't they don't feel like they're on the same page. They do not seem to be in concert of who should be the starting quarterback. I know they kind of walked around it today, but I don't think that they're on the same page as much as like Mar- our guys Flus and uh, Ryan Poles. Let me read between the lines a little bit here for you guys. Finally, I've been saying, Finally. I've been saying this. No, I've been saying this from the beginning last year when. Ryan Poles, with his first two picks of the draft, what did he do? He took defensive backs. Did the Bears – was that, like, number one on the Bears list and what everybody thought he should do? And was that maybe the biggest need that the Bears had? No. No, it wasn't. But Matt Eberflus is a defensive coach. Matt Eberflus has coached linebackers and the secondary in his career. That, from the jump, was like, okay, these guys are on the same page. Ryan Poles knows exactly what Matt Eberflus wants. He knows Matt Eberflus' system. These two are clearly in lockstep, and they are communicating very well with each other. Fast forward to this year. What does Ryan Poles do in free agency? He gets two linebackers. (laughs) Was that the Bears' biggest need? Probably not. But guess what? The value was there, and he knows that those are guys that Matt Eberflus needs for his defense. And so while he is trying to create this talent bubble around Justin Fields to get a good evaluation of him, he also is making sure that to, to show Matt Eberflus that he hears him and he knows what he needs too on his side of the ball. Because so often, I mean, there is a th- there, there's a lot to a coach being a defensive coach or an offensive coach, at least from my experience and what I've seen at the, in the front offices that I've been a part of and the coaching staffs that I've seen, is that if your coach is a defensive coach, your offense is is operating and humming under your offensive coordinator more than anything else with oversight from the head coach. But if you're a good head coach, you defer because that's not your area of expertise, right? So Ryan Poles is playing both sides here, but you can tell that he is very in tune to the needs of what Ryan or what Matt Eberflus wants. And that is not the case everywhere. The, The way that these two staffs work in conjunction with each other that I've seen is great. And you cannot take that for granted. You cannot take for granted the relationship they have. I think it's easy to because they're both first times timers at their positions. Matt Eberflus, first time head coach. Ryan Poles, first time GM. And they're learning together. But the key word there is together. They're doing yeah. it together. And I really like it. And they seem to genuinely enjoy each other, which is really sweet. And I really like it. No, I love it too. And you know what? I know that. The offensive defensive thing is always an issue. I saw somebody on Twitter today and I didn't engage talking about like, I wish the bears didn't have a defensive minded coach. And I'm like, I know. Cause it nearly ruined Tom Brady's career. It happens, but there is something to be said that if the defense is better. 
You know, it's only going to help out Justin Fields. Like it, it all comes together. And sometimes when you have a offensive minded coach, look at Nathaniel Hackett. That didn't help out Russell Wilson, Adam Gaze. Right. Like you can go through a laundry list of offensive and defensive coaches that didn't work out. How about just having a good football coach? And what it really comes down to is, is Getsy our guy. It feels like he is. And it feels like, you know, he's in this mix too of like learning on the job. But I remember that clip from the senior bowl where Flues shows up and Getsy was so happy to see him like, Hey, his buddies showed up, you know, to say, how you doing? You know, you're getting this cool opportunity at the senior bowl and uh, for his boss and his, you know, his coach to show up. I thought that meant a lot. So I think that the chemistry with this team is off the charts and I love seeing it. And I think it's going to start showing itself on the field, especially when you think about all those one, one score losses the team had. I think that's where some things were like this kind of situation, a good locker room, a good situation, a good foundation, a good environment is going to lend itself to more victories in the near future. Uh, even though Ryan Paul said they're a long way away. A long way now, but you know, it, listen, under promise, over deliver. That's all right. I have to say. <laughs> Ryan Bowles is, is very good at that. No, yeah, that and you you touched on it, but that's the other thing too that a good defense is going to also help Justin Fields. Yeah. It's going to keep the other offense from scoring and keep them off the field and get the ball back to Justin Fields so he can do something with it. So it seems like, yeah, they are in, they are in lockstep with each other. The coaches that I know on the staff are, they love coaching for Matt Eberflus. And they said, not only do the players love, you know, he's a player's coach. They, the players love playing for him, but we love coaching for him. And that's a great, honestly, the chemistry there seems to be there. And that is, that is going to manifest itself on the field. One of these days. It's, it's interesting too, because it feels like a lot of people forgot how enjoyable the bears were last season. Like they were a lot of fun. Their games were an absolute blast. You forgot like, Oh yeah, we're terrible. We're not winning games, but like every game was entertaining. Every game seemingly came down to the final possession. And Matt Harmon talked about this too. You know, when you look back at that commander's game and this is no knock against Darnell Mooney, but think about how that commander's game ended and they get down to the goal line and they throw a 50, 50 ball for Darnell Mooney. He doesn't make the catch. The bears lose. Imagine that situation being DJ Moore this year. That's going to be a win. A lot of these situations are going to turn around because of guys like DJ Moore being in the mix. So I'm very excited for it. And I also want to, I've also noted too, there's a lot of copium going on with the Green Bay Packers. Oh, our friend Aaron Nagler for years has been Thanks. preaching. Nags has been preaching for years and he still believes this. I think Mina Kimes also chimes in on this a lot. Wins are not a quarterback stat. They just Absolutely aren't. not. I, Absolutely. I, I just, I disagree, but you know what you have all no, but you guys have set the parameters so you cannot throw it in Justin Fields face that he's won five games. Like, no, you guys have determined that it's not, I feel like it is. It's like, it's like pitching, like starting pitching in baseball, like that, like why are wins a pitcher stat? It shouldn't be, especially now only one pitcher in all of major league baseball even swings a bat. Wait, so you don't think you you don't think that wins should be a pitching stat, but you think they should be a quarterback stat? No, it's got to be one or the other. If they're a pitching stat, then they're a quarterback stat. No, the, I think they should be a pitching stat because you could because you could conceivably pitch an entire game. 
And like, you, and and it's not okay, as much what of if, a team sport. Baseball is not as much of a team sport. What if it was? What if your ERA was one point nine, and you're you were 10, 10 and eleven, and some curtain jerker with a five point four ERA was twelve and four. Like who's the better pitcher? Like who's who's doing better? Like that's no. There's way too many other statistics, especially in baseball. You don't. Oh, it's definitely not. I quarter it. It can't be a it can't be a stat for the quarterbacks. It just can't. M- Mina and I have bonded over that because of the right. fact it's just it's well, a fair. it's a team game. It I is a it. team game. All right, fair enough. That's fine. They don't throw it in Justin Fields' face. But they're not a quarterback. I I don't. And I don't and think they um, do either. Mina doesn't. Oh, it's, it's all but it's all these Packer fans. And there's one guy and like you know we're like yeah you're mad. They're like I'm not mad. I'm like okay. Put it in the paper. Listen, that I was not go easy on the pack. Go easy on Packers fans right now. They're okay. dealing with a lot. I'm I'm barely holding it together at this point, having to cover this whole saga. So just go it's easy not. on them right now. All right, we'll give them a little bit of a leeway. Uh, how about another question, though, Sammy? <laughs> Do we have one, Adam? Would you be okay with trading our first, not Carolina's next year, for Jeffrey Simmons and taking Paris Johnson at number nine, solidifying our two needs? Simmons is only twenty five. I think that that. I don't with, without even thinking of what the asking. I, I think when you get into a situation where a player like Jeffrey Simmons is available, like the price is actually less than you think because they're trying to get rid of a contract. Yeah. I'm not sure that you'd have to give up that much. I, I, I would allow Ryan Poles to uh, do his evaluation on what that would need, but at the same time, when you're looking at how you're building this team. Guys like Jeffrey Simmons, again, would come in, immediately fill a huge need for this squad. But with with the amount of money that you're going to have to pay, wouldn't you rather take a guy in the draft that you can develop because it'll be cheaper? And guys like Simmons feel like a 2024 priority. They don't feel like a this year priority. But I'd be willing, you know, I'd be willing to hear the other side of that. How about you, Carmen? No, I agree. I don't think that... Again, we talked about you're not going to be able to fill every hole this year, and that's fine. You're probably not really a contender this year. Sorry. So next year, though, I think a, some, a move like that makes a lot of sense where you are truly one to two players away or you're one to two hole, you've got one to two more holes to fill, and you want to bring in a guy like that, especially, yeah, a guy that is going to be on a hefty contract. Because now you have the luxury of developing players, getting them on the cheap, not having to pay a ton of money for salaries, essentially. And then once you get into, and it's going to give you cap space next year as well. And so then next year, when you're just putting the finishing touches on things, then you can afford to take a player that is maybe a little bit more expensive, but is going to be an immediate impact guy and is going to be worth the contract that you're paying him or the money that you're paying him. At this point, What's Jeffrey Simmons is not going to be the difference between a playoff run and not for, for the Bears. So if that's not the case, then I wouldn't pay someone that much money yet. Yeah. Next year. Yeah. You would have to extend him. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons. That's why when you look at a lot of these moves, when they didn't take Orlando Brown jr, uh, a lot of these free agent potential free agents that, you know, didn't get picked up by the bears. It's because of where the bears are in this rebuild. And we've seen Ryan pulls really value these draft picks, which again, leads me to believe that we're going to move down from number nine. I want to just prepare everybody for that. Want to prepare everybody for taking more defensive players as well. Like when, a, when our first picks a cornerback or something like that, 
There's a lot of things going on. It's There's a lot of. It's a really good class. <laughs> it really is. You got a, You got the number nine pick. You essentially have three second rounders, and I say essentially because, you know, if if losing out on that Chase Claypool pick is essentially a second round pick, then our third round pick is essentially a second round pick. I mean, again, just using your own vernacular in a variety of different ways, but in any event, <laughs> there we are. But I uh, want to thank everybody for joining us here this evening. Carmen, what do you got going on? I know you said you had a, an article coming out for foxsports.com. What else is yeah. in the pipeline for you? Well, uh, this morning I just published the uh, Aaron Rodgers trade saga, the books of the gospel according to Rodgers and Gutenkins, because Goody came out Ooh. yesterday and at, at – league meetings and told his side of the story about what has oh, happened right. thus far. So I basically compared, I, I did a lot of work for you guys, uh, for Packer fans, especially, but anybody that cares about the situation where I went through the dates that Rogers had mentioned in his McAfee appearance, matched them and cross-referenced them with what Goody had said and tried to arrive at some conclusion as to what actually happened. Uh, I'm still confused. And but the, this was the two sides, and it was comparing and contrasting what the two sides had said, and it took me a long time. So Were you like Carrie? Like, are you like Carrie from Homeland? And you got the board with the string. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Or uh, what's his face from uh, Always Sunny? Yes. And, and I'm just like, God, ah! like it was really Brett Coleman. I don't know if you know him on Twitter. Uh, I, I posted the story, and he just goes. How have you stayed so sane covering this? And I just I I replied to him and I was like sane question mark and then I put a gift from Shits Creek that said, uh, "Who says? <laughs> I was like, who, ah. says who says I'm sane? Because <laughs> I'm not. Sad. I'm going nuts. But uh, oh, well. we I don't think we're gonna have a resolution anytime soon either. Spoiler alert. So yeah. Oh, but it seems like man. we have other paid comments. Or we do. Yeah. Yeah. So let's All get right, to let's them. Bring them aboard, uh, Ron <laughs> Winarski. Who should the Bears draft in the first round? Offensive line, defensive tackle, or an edge rusher? Adam, I'm going to say wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be my choice. We broke this down. Finally, I got somebody on board with me. This is why I brought Manda Harbin on last week. But well, we talked about it. Well, you we know what's funny? I know. We, we talked about this a lot. But he we actually, you know, because he hadn't been thinking about that because Matt's not in the weeds with the Bears like I am. But it does make a lot of sense because when you think of the fact that when Justin Fields over the next couple of years is going to eventually have to be extended, if one of your wide receivers is still on his rookie contract, especially a five-year rookie contract, it would make a lot of sense to go into that direction, especially when you consider those three second round, two second round picks, a top of the first, uh, top of the third round pick, I should say, five picks in the top 103. We're going to find guys to play offensive and defensive line. So that's why over the last couple of days and last couple of weeks, excuse me, I've really started to take a shine of, you know what, let's do it. Let's build this wide receiver room out. Let's go nuts and uh, let's see what happens. What do you think, Carmen? You don't yeah, have to say yeah. that. Movie. No, I just, I no, I like that move too. I've, I've talked about that quite a bit where I wouldn't be mad at that because that's someone also that Justin Fields is very familiar with. Yeah. And being his former teammate. And so if you're, again, if you're trying to get an about a really good evaluation of Justin, then you want weapons that can be utilized right away. What yeah. better 
receiver can you get in the first round that already has a rapport with Justin that doesn't have to go through those growing pains with him to know his timing and to know where he wants guys and like how he operates and how he throws and what his ball feels like and all that. Sorry. What his throws feel like. I I have to catch myself. (laughs) Don't sound right. But no, I mean, there's different quarterbacks throw the ball in different ways. And and Jackson Smith and Jigba already knows uh, how Justin, Fiel- Justin Fields throws the ball. So that is my point. He would be immediately effective for Justin Fields. He wouldn't go through a lot of the growing pains that a normal receiver would, first round or otherwise. I I would love that, again, just because you really need to know if Justin Fields is your guy going forward. But And again, we talked about how you can hit later on with offensive linemen, defensive linemen, yes and no. But I do think that there are some guys, some value guys that you can get right now and maybe wait for next year when you either get another free agent, if there's a better class coming in or, you know, in the draft next year, but I wouldn't hate Jack Smith and Jigba. I like him. I think he's a great, he's a great player and he's already familiar with Justin Fields. So. And it also makes sense too. If it was Paris Johnson jr. I would obviously not have any problems with that. Again, leaving that evaluation up to Ryan Poles, I will trust him to do what's best, but I've, I've said this over the last couple of weeks as well is that I don't think we're going. I, I think that if our top pick and that the top option is an offensive tackle at that spot, that there we're, we're moving out of it. That's just my conjecture. I don't really have any. I'm not I'm not in the room, but that's just, just trying to understand and trying to figure out what Poles is going to do. And he's been pretty forthcoming. You know, it's not like it's not like he's been this unsolvable riddle because he'll be like, oh, we're going to go. We might go defense with our first two picks. Everybody's like, no, you're not. And like, oh, actually, that's what he did. Actually, so, um, yeah. We'll oh, we might trade happens. the first round pick before free agency. Oh, well, yeah. look what you did. <laughs> Pretty much what he did. Yeah. He's he's the poker player. He's like, I got pocket kings. I'm like, stop doing that. Because one time you're not going to be truthful and it's going to burn me. But in any event, we got one more question, though. Right, Sammy? Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> Our own personal sponsor. No, listen, you can, you, 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 you can, you can do as many of these as you want. Uh, last one, I promise. Don't promise that. Uh, I know a guy and gal lead extremely busy lives, and I know where you guys can pop by. You do. I'm just excited because the Bears are the precipice of something special. CTOD Ghost, thank you so much for that sentiment uh, for for putting that out there. No, I listen. We appreciate everybody who's been stopping by over the last couple of weeks. Listen, we're not dumb. We can see the numbers. We see that there's a lot more people stopping by, a lot more people engaging with the Chicago Bears. And not only here on this side, but we understand it uh, for everybody. Everybody's doing well because there's a lot of cool things going on with the Chicago Bears. And it's and it's a sense of that's just not the moves that they're not they're making are not baffling. Like there's nothing that you're like, oh my God, I can't believe we're doing this. We're upset about this. It's like all of it's like, okay, even if we haven't seen the full puzzle laid out before us, we still get a sense that these are positive moves that are happening and we should be excited about it. There's no reason to be morose over anything. And whether you thought that, you know, we fell down too far to go from one to nine, I think that you can still look at DJ Moore and be like, yeah, but that's still a pretty good wide receiver. And I think that, you know, we tried to reach out to people from outside of our Bears bubble. We had, again, going back to with, with Matt Harmon a couple of days ago, that's somebody who has no ties to the Bears, who was very effusive in praise of what was going on with this organization. And I think we should take heart in, th- in situations like that, too. And I will tell you, when I'm walking around the halls of the NFL Network, and people will come up and they'll want to talk Bears with me, and we're talking about national reporters, guys like Steve Weich, 
and Daniel Jeremiah and, and people like that, Scott Pioli, they're all very positive about what is going on with the Chicago Bears and are happy to talk about it. They're delighted with what's going on. They're excited for us. They know that we have great fans. And so it's a good time to be a Bears fan. And I agree with you that uh, we should uh, we should all rejoice. <laughs> wow. Precipice, morose, effusive. Yeah. Everybody's getting a vocabulary lesson on top of it. So tune in, guys. Uh, we really appreciate it, though. I really appreciate uh, everybody tuning into this program in particular. And that's great. It's it's grown a lot over the season. So awesome. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great. Well, we're going to let you go, Carmen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. As always, Tuesday nights are always a blast with you. Make sure you check her out on foxsports.com and as availability permits on CHGO, <laughs> where I will be as well. But there she goes. Thanks so much, Carmen. Good to see you. Bye, guys. All right. There she goes. A great Carmen Vitale. Make sure you are following. I didn't, we didn't throw her, you know, her Twitter handle by Carmi V. At Carmi V and all the other, uh, all the other, uh, well, whatever social media sites, the ones that'll still be running over the next couple of weeks. Here's my thing. Possibly tomorrow, CHGO. I will be on NFL Total Access on Thursday and Friday. My mock draft with a twist is coming out next week. I will be making appearances on Good Morning Football in the very near future. And of course, we are working on a very special guest for the show. So look for another special edition of the sick podcast, possibly coming out at the end of this week. So until that time, bear down and Sammy, go ahead and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Adam rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google play and Apple podcasts brought to you by underdog fantasy.